You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hello. Good morning. Good morning from, uh, we finally got some rain here, which we needed. It's been amazing in Italy. It's perfect temperature. Everyone's going to the beaches. It's La Dolce Vita. Oh, <laughs> and that means? The sweet life. The sweet life. All right, good. Um, the, uh, oh, you... there he is. Hey, Andrew. Uh-oh. He looks like he got caught in a windstorm there. Oh, I see him moving now. <laughs> he can't hear us. But anyways, um, are, what about the mask situation over there in Italy? People still wear them. A lot of people okay. still wear the mask. Is it mandated? Yes, but like my region doesn't really uh, give you penalties. They used to give you 400 euro fine if they saw you without it. Oh, wow. And 400 euros equals what? $500. $500. Mm -hmm. oh. yeah. that, uh, that would get expensive. What's have been good for me. So, anyways, I like looks Can you like, guys hear me? Yes, yes sir. Oh, good. Good morning. <laughs> we, we've, been, we've been talking about you. That doesn't shock me. What a wonder... What a, we we're just talking about what a wonderful agent you are. Hey, usually about 7.58, I realize I have a show going on in two minutes. And I have to go find my laptop. So it's in my truck, and then it has to reboot. And then I have to find my email to hit the links. And, yeah, so I'm fantastically ready. Nice. Well, let's get going, huh? Is there much happening in the market, or is it still the same? I, uh, I I feel it's very much the same. Uh, it's still uh, clipping along, moving moving fast and furious. Um, we had a couple, uh, well, one listing before it ever it went on, it, it sold. And then another one, um, we're fielding multiple offers actually today. Yep. I'm seeing the exact same thing. I The one good thing that I have um, right now is last week I was awarded five new uh, listings. Um, so that's more than my normal take for a week. Um, so we're excited of the new inventory that we're bringing to the market. Um, I think a lot of people are now finally catching up with um, what's going on and they're preparing their houses. Um, and even though we're kind of entering the, the, uh, the, oh, all right, sorry guys. Um, even though we're entering into a market where we have, um, you know, low inventory, it, it's just, it's the quality of the inventory coming is so fantastic. I think it's worth the wait. I think that was an interesting choice of words that you said that you were awarded five new listings. What do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I'm out on a job application every time I, I meet with a, with a family and uh, I, I put everything I've got into it to try to get the business. And then uh, at the end, I, kind of considered a victory for me. It's an award um, that, yeah, hey, you got the gold medal here, bro. You're you're the guy. Yeah, I, I think that's kind of funny because I think was, as, a, as a former athlete, uh, this athletic uh, body has probably gone somewhere else now. But um, as a former athlete, that's what I kind of feel like too. It's, uh, it is almost, it's an award. It's, it's kind of our uh, competition now. Yeah, for sure. I think that it is a, a true competition and not only is there a real estate competition but there's a lot of these what i call industry interrupters that are trying to disrupt our real estate industry um which is fine i, I encourage it because you know i think our industry is a little primitive and when these people come in with these new ideas that are are very uh interesting at, at you know and hopefully some of it sticks most the time interrupters come into our industry no offense they perish they they can't make it because they realize wow you know, making $300 a file, I can't make a living um, and advertise that 80000 a month to get enough customers in the door to pay for itself. So it, it goes back to the traditional model based on just economies of scale. You just you can't afford 
to be in this business and not make a living. And then, and then it's so intrusive of most real estate agents' personal lives that it ends up getting to the point of where most agents aren't interested unless they can at least make a fair living. Um, and so, but technology is what I crave. I, I crave a, a better mousetrap. I, I, I don't necessarily think I'll have the same job in 10 years that I do today, nor do I want to. You know, I'll still be helping people sell houses and buy houses, but I, I believe it will be done on a different technology platform for sure. I don't know about that. The, the adapting to innovators, obviously you guys were around when the, the internet came, but what other ones came in and out and how did you guys know which ones to grab a hold of? Because didn't when the internet came, a lot of realtors had to get out of the business, they couldn't handle it? Well, you gotta remember a lot of those realtors that were in the business didn't know how to use a computer at all. You know, um, I think a, a, another big thing, and this might sound funny, but uh, this is a fact, is when the cell phones came into play. I mean, everyone acts like that's no big deal right now, but I mean, when that, that was a huge thing. I, I remember when I got my first pager, I thought I was I was the man. I mean, if I got paged, rather than driving around all day and then returning my messages when I got to the office, I mean, I could pull over to uh, a gas station and use the pay phone and get back to these people, and it was amazing. And uh, yeah, it's just this, uh, it's kind of interesting. I remember that we we'd start kind of going into you know put your number in that they got a page with a nine one one. I mean we had to get a hold of them quicker and that the whole business evolved from you know being able to do like Andy said. I mean back in those days, if you did five listings in a week, you were a complete animal. You could there's no way you could possibly do that. You know now we're getting a couple of them over Zoom. Um, you know, so many buyers or sellers um, are understand values, you know, very much. I mean, they get all everything at their fingertips. And so it, it goes a lot quicker. And, and in those old days, it just didn't. But you had to, you had to grab on. And yeah, Nick, um, we did lose a lot of realtors because of technology. Yeah. And I, I think the other challenge when we went from paper to uh, digital, you know, where we just I mean, even in those old DOS based you know, black with green text, green screen kind of deals and and putting everything where we were sharing. That was a big problem for a lot of agents that didn't want to share. They would take on a listing and they would keep it in-house um, or they put up the sign and they wouldn't tell anybody about it. And they were trying to sell that without anybody else's cooperation. Even cooperating agency is not that terribly old, um, you know, being a cooperative uh, uh, industry um, and then agreeing to, you know, the code of ethics and, as we've evolved, it's like this industry is self-regulating and self-monitoring itself, and it's it's great. Yeah, I'll tell you. Well, the other thing is electronic signatures. Uh, that has been huge. I'll tell you what. I can't remember how many times I'd have to get up at you know ten thirty at night, get out of my house, and go get signatures because the deal doesn't wasn't done until it's signed. Now a quick uh, you know send it over and have signatures back within two minutes. And it's a done deal and you throw it over. But before, what we used to do is we would have to go get those signatures and yep. then we would then drive that over to the other agent. You know, because if we didn't, if they if they didn't have it and it wasn't received, it wasn't a done deal. So we I mean, it, that's saved a lot too. And and if and if people didn't adapt, you know, uh, I think what a lot of them did, uh, they started hiring people that knew how to do that stuff and they just weren't able to do it. Yeah, well, the, the days of having everything be a mystery, you know, that was for sure. I mean, there was, you called an agent, so if you wanted to see what was for sale, they were the only ones that had the information. Now the information's available to everybody, and it's a matter of, so how do agents demonstrate value? I think that was the biggest thing, like Chris was just kind of commenting on, is, you know, if I have the information that you used to hold me hostage for, you know, what is the value of an agent at that point? And so then agency had to reestablish itself as, if the information's out to everybody, to the general public, um, you know, and it, 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 where does that agent come in? Where does that agent add value? How does that agent sell your house for more money, market it better? You know, those things. So, Before we move to this first topic, what are some tips for maybe some people in industry listening to better adapt to the changes in real estate? I, I would say, I'll, do, I'll say this, be flexible. Don't, don't be the the, you know, the like me, I, you know, I just flipped 50 
And I've got some people that, oh, that computer stuff, I don't understand, you know. So as a new agent, what I would say is as things come to you, learn to adapt if it's in the best interest of your clients. Because it's, um, even though I, I'll be honest with you, I struggle with social media because I honestly don't care. I, I don't live in false reality. I live in the real world. The people that hang out with me, hang out with me. If I call Chris and say, hey, let's go out for lunch. We go out for lunch. That's That's a real relationship to me. Social media is something that I've had a struggle with adapting to this virtual kind of, you know, and I know what people are really like, and we all know how it goes. Some people present uh, the version of themselves that they want everybody to think is reality. Um, and so for me, I've had to learn to go where my customers are and, and adapt and learn to like it and learn to just, you know, shut up and take your medicine, as they say, you know, or whatever, and and kind of go with the flow. New New agents that are out there, the value is is your experience, your energy, um, and the experience you create for your client. And I, I think that that, at the end of the day, is what people really want, is someone to guide them through the process, no matter what process, if it's online, if it's blockchain, if it's, you know, however we choose, if it goes back to paper, because nobody can steal the information that way, whatever it goes back to or, or, or advances to, um, adapt. I, I think that's a, that's a really good example of uh, what buyers and sellers have to do now, too. I mean, some people you know, want to talk on the phone and they uh, they want to get together and they want to be able to sign it in person. And, you know, in reality, in today's market, it moves so fast that they have to adapt as well. You know, th those might be things that you don't like and, and we're not going to do it. And from an agent standpoint, you know, if we don't go tell that seller that and say, hey, here, here's what's happening and, and you have to deal with it versus oh yeah, no, I totally understand. You need to sign it. And now all of a sudden they're losing deals because of it and yeah. uh, not getting things done. You're not doing your job as an agent. So it's it's our job to give you the information. Then you can ultimately make that decision. But there's consequences with those decisions sometimes. Well, you know, and I always say too, you know, you look at, you go to the dentist, you got a tooth that's bugging you. You could grab a pliers out in the garage and take that tooth out yourself and, you know, or, or do you seek the, the guidance of a professional that will make it more comfortable, make it easier, make it, you know, where you don't get sick or the long-term consequences aren't going to, you know, uh, escalate to the point of where also now you got a whole mouth that's infected, you know? So it's like those kind of things, it, it applies to housing. It, it really does because another set of eyes, another set of ears, listening to, guiding through, and then especially if those ears and eyes are experienced, it just, I don't know, I'm not trying to sell agency, but I'll tell you what, even, even the old mom or dad that comes along that's bought five houses and listen to them. They've been there. They've done that. It may not, every ounce of what they say may not apply to today's exact, you know, uh, information, but the experiences they've been through, humans haven't changed much. That's the one thing that hasn't evolved much. Humans and emotions haven't changed much in the, uh, in our careers. Let's get to a uh, riparian rights. We had this question last week and we said we'd get to it next week. So let's hit it. Yeah, I think, you know, with riparian rights, I mean, we can go, uh, you can get really technical with riparian rights, but it's basically uh, how the water and really kind of the shoreline in, in for the most people's purposes is how you, uh, you know, deem the lakeshore because a lot of lots uh, actually extend into the water and extend quite a bit of waves. And it's all, it's, it's basically saying that, hey, you can certainly, you know, drive your boat through that water. You know, it is, people can't say, hey, that's my land. You got to get off that land. So it has to be kind of navigable. Um, and it just kind of explains what, what people's rights uh, are on both ways, uh, the people that own the land and uh, people using it as a, as a waterway. Right. Well, you know, I, I grew up, um, or I shouldn't, well, I kind of did in the summers. Up in Big Lake, there's uh, public access right next to my family's, my grand, grandma grandpa's property. And as kids, we'd go up there. And I remember when the years where the water would go down, like this this uh, picture shows, um, there'd be an additional sandy beach. It's a very sandy beach there. Beautiful. I, I, when I think about going to the beach, I think about going there because it's so pretty. Um, and that sandy beach gets bigger and more attractive. So all of a sudden, this, this little beach that's only, you know, 30 feet wide, all of a sudden, you got people coming in with boats, and then they want to park their boats on the sandy beach. And then there's not quite enough room for everybody to fit. So then they start coming over onto my grandparents' property. And so all of a sudden, you see, like, between lot A and lot B, all of a sudden, their boat's a little bit over onto lot B. And then the next guy comes and tries to tie onto the back of lot that boat. 
and then he's blocking access to lot B. And all, you know what I mean? And it's and what it comes down to is it it once you're on the water, what we've learned is that we said, hey guys, here's the deal. You know, when you're on the beach, you're trespassing. When you're out three feet into the water and you're floating, you're not. So if you guys could put your boats out three feet and just float, that'd be great. And most of those boat guys, um, would, they're like, they'd get frustrated. And then they'd go, you know what, they're right. And technically and legally, the cop will tell them the same thing. So they'd go out and they'd try to anchor three feet from shore and their boats are bumping into each other and they're floating around. And so they would just leave. And so it was, yeah, you kind of outsmart them with the, uh, with the, uh, you know, the, the rules, you know, just use the rules to your advantage and you'll be fine. What do you think of Greg's comment? I thought lot lines ended at the high tree mark. You're muted, Chris. Oh, I said, I don't, I, I've never heard that, but he, well, you see how right. on, on that diagram again, go back to the diagram and see how they have a, a distinctive lot line. And then there's the straight line across and that's where they've platted the lot. And then, you know, it, this is an interesting version of this because most lot lines um, have the extension where it goes out to the middle of the lake. That's the old way they used to do it. And then nowadays when you build on water, unless it's a, a big public waterway, a lot of times they will have your plat stop. And so beyond that, it is considered an outlot, which usually is owned by, you know, an association or a city or, you know, um, whatever, so they can maintain it. Because um, a lot of these, these cities don't want to have to deal with uh, maintaining shorelines or whatever. Sorry, I keep, I keep muting my stuff, but... Uh... Yeah, like okay. I said, I mean, you can you can go into riparian rights forever and ever and ever, and 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 may never be right and, and misinterpret it. And if you look at all the different definitions and what it all includes, you know, it's all over the yeah. place. So. Well, you know, and we even look at like dock rights. That's where I think most riparian rights come into play. Like, so you have a square property; it's pretty easy to figure out where your dock should go. It should go straight out. What if you have a pie-shaped lot like that? And as you walk down the property, you want your, your dock to extend into the lake at that angle. And now it encroaches a neighbor or, you know, or whatever. The neighbor encroaches you. And, and technically, you got two of them now. What if two of them are doing this and on the lake and there's nothing you can do about it? The, the DNR will tell you, race to the lake first and put your dock out first. And that's how they tell you to do it. I think, and I think what's just crazy about that, when people fight about that or neighbors on the lake, they don't realize that hurts them as well. You know, when they're trying to do those games because and then other people do the games to you. And who wants to move into a situation like that? So just know when you're doing that and not being a, a good person or not trying to work it out and, and, and work together, you know, it, it just it, it just doesn't work out. So try to be a good person. Weird concept, but just try. Most people are good until they feel like you've taken their rights away and then they freak out and become a different person. Why is there why is there so many rules in real estate and housing? I mean, why do they get like that? Attorneys. Oh, sorry. No, I'm, I'm just giggling. Seriously. It's it is. People sue each other. And then, I mean, our purchase agreements, when I first started, I mean, and I started late, I mean, we were three pages long. I mean, three pages, you know, now we have 40, 50 pages sometimes. It's absolutely freaking crazy. When my mom started, it was a half of a sheet. It was a half of a sheet. It was a six by, what are those, six by 11, like you put the notes. I mean, I brought one to the radio that one time, and yeah. she had it. It was basically just filled it out. It was the simplest thing in the world. It was like you're buying a, a lawnmower from Andy, you know. Lisa, grab that MLS sheet with you from my mom's and dad's house. The Yeah, so the, you know, we have, uh, you're right, and it, it was simpler back then. And I think that one of the, the, the American dream, okay, you know, uh, uh, under all is land, right? So this has been hundreds of years that this has been a battle because people immigrated from other countries. So they actually go from being renters uh, to actually being, you know, owners. And, and it is something that, you know, people say, Oh, the American dream's dying. Well, that's just because they don't know what it is. You know, when, when, again, when you have your rights taken away from you or you don't have the ability to have those opportunities um, you'll seek them. Cause it is kind of nice to say you own this. And, and a lot of people will do crazy things to protect that ownership rights, especially if it's, if it generates income, um, you know, like you get farmers where farmers are, hey, the neighbors, you know, draining their, uh, you know, whatever feed lot pond into my property and I can't farm. And so then that's a, a, a challenge. 
But most neighbors, like you said, Chris, are good to each other. Um, they try to figure out ways to coexist. And um, but it, it, I mean, this goes back, you guys, thousands of years of owning, you know, hundreds of years in the U.S. But I mean, thousands overseas of owning land. Especially Americans, we all have a little crazy in us because our, our ancestors were very crazy to come to a foreign land like this. That's why I always tell people here in Europe, like it's our best thing and our worst thing. We had the, the balls to do it and, and we were that bold, but it also relates in some delusional confidence and, and arrogance. But anyways, let's get into our practical value segment. This is Which happening. Kid is that, Andy? Yeah, God, that sounded great, by the way. I love it. I wonder if he learned that from his father. We're the aggressive puppies in the litter. We're the ones yeah. that are like. <laughs> we live in our own world and it's the best thing and our worst thing. But let's let's do some value here. This is happening a lot in the market now is justifying your home. because You can't get exactly what you want. Yeah. So basically, um, that's what's happening in the market right now. You, you know, it used to be that you'd go and wait and look at 50, 40, 60, 70 houses to find your perfect dream home. And then you'd be able to sit and make an offer and negotiate back and forth and decide whether or not that you wanted to do it. And that's just not the case anymore. And so people do, I mean, and they do it all the time now is they justify um, things that maybe that they want uh, or, or needed in a house or thought that hey, we have to have it, but they have to justify because there's not enough houses out there that can't get them. Our first one is adding garage space. I see that as it uh, happens a lot where people say, you know, I want a three car garage. And um, when you want a three car garage, you eliminate a lot of houses in that price point. But there is ways in which to add on a garage or um, it looks like in this picture, it looks like a, a detached garage that you can add on to. Um, so maybe what you do or from an agent perspective is that's how you start looking into it and saying, you know, are they able to be able to put in that extra garage? Is there room for that extra garage? And then, you know, maybe not just say, hey, let's, I've got one to show you. I'm going to show you to it. And then give them that uh, justification that, hey, we can always add one on here. Everything else works for you. You get your four bedrooms upstairs, master bath, and you have an unbelievable entertainment area. And the kitchen's just been renovated. We're just missing the garage. You're not doing it because of that, but we could always add that on. If you had to go in that other house and remodel that that kitchen, that's going to be 50000 I can get you a garage for that. Yeah, I think that, you know, a lot of the older neighborhoods, you know, your Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Centers, you know, Crystal, Golden Valleys, where they had those Orrin Thompson Ramblers. I saw this a lot where they would take the garage that, you know, they the houses they would sell without garages. And then they would sell the house with a, with a uh, you know, a half story above. And then the optional garage was really not taken advantage of very often. So garages were an extra like rich feature that were added. And those that built garages that were attached to the houses, I've seen a ton of them where they converted them to additional living space. Because as those bedrooms got full of little kids and they needed another bigger family room or a dining area or kitchen, you'd see people expanding into the garage and then they'd put the garage, the another garage out back or around the corner, they'd turn it so it could enter from the side. And I mean, what a cool way to do housing. I, I still look at that as being, you know, something that we as, as a growing society could get back to for affordability. You know, you have a decent sized yard, but not too big. You have houses that are affordable, but not too crazy. Um, you let people buy a house without a garage. Why do you need a garage? I mean, if you don't want a garage or you don't want a car and you want to take the bus, who cares? Let them take the bus or ride a bike. You know, I mean, it's not, it's none of our business what, you know, I, well, at least I think that, you know. A lot of cities don't. A lot of cities will tell you you have to have it, or you have to have certain elevations, or you have to have a certain amount of garages, or whatever. But this I don't next know. I'm, I'm more about let the people pick. <laughs> this next one is turning a room into a bathroom. I also saw another cool picture of uh, underneath the stairs, creating a little bathroom out of the the space there. So different ways to put another bathroom in the home. You. So, so you're asking us, is this a good idea? No. So like if they don't have enough bathrooms in their home, they can make one, another one. Oh yeah. I, I think that that, that's always, you know, great. Especially if you can repurpose wasted space. I know a lot of those older houses had what they called flex rooms right off the kitchens where they were, are they a dining room? Are they a bedroom? Are they a, you know, formal uh, or a bedroom? Um, and, and those spaces where they're not being utilized were, were great opportunities for, something like this. Now, when you put an addition onto a home, 
in, in that same price range where you're saying, now you go from being a $30,000 project to let's say a hundred or, or what, then you might as well expand the bedroom suit, you know, at the same time and make a really decent sized master, nice size, or even the kitchen, um, you know, cause where do you stop at that point, you know? Yeah, I've seen it too, where people really want uh, a, a great master suite and a master bath. That's kind of the big thing. They want the kitchen and they want a master bath. And um, in some cases, maybe there's uh, four, they don't need four bedrooms up and there's, uh, you could expand that, maybe that lack of master bath into one of those bedrooms along with a big closet and make a, a super cool place. Uh, so there's, again, you're, you're justifying, hey, I'll knock out a bedroom and I'll be able to put in that bath because the location really works well for me. It stays in my kid's school district and, you know, you and I can make it my own. I can make it exactly what I wanted. And you just get, you get one of the, rid of one of those bedrooms that you didn't need anyways. This next one is uh, on the Four Seasons or Three Seasons porch. Yeah, I mean that's 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 a, a fantastic add-on uh, for a lot of people to be able to gain main floor living. Typically, uh, you know, some people put it off like a lower walkout and things, but um, and I've actually I've seen it up uh, off of master bedrooms on two stories as well, but. Uh, for the most part, you, you get that off the main floor and it kind of opens up that whole um, floor plan and it gives you that extra space that you wanted it and maybe that you didn't have. But again, I think to justify getting a four season porch, you got to be getting a good buy on it and it's got to be in the area that you really want. And maybe the lot is fantastic. Well, and, you know, and for the expense, if you spend, you know, that, that let's say that's a $60,000 three season porch or it's, you know, let's say 75000 um, to go to a four season in Minnesota, spend the extra money for the four season. Um, well worth the money. Then you can use it year round. Um, otherwise what'll happen is you're going to try to use it on Christmas or Thanksgiving or whatever, when it's a little cooler, cause you need the space cause there's a lot of bodies in your house and you're trying to heat that room and the windows get all foggy. And, and also it's kind of an awkward, like people are like, what is this room? You know? So I would say just, if you can afford it, you know, get the uh, four season porch. Um, so it's year round usability. Um, including the old AC in the in the summer, if you want it. And yeah, because you're not if if you're not gonna, if you're not going to be comfortable, you're not going to use it, and then it's kind of a waste of money. Do it for how you live. Yep. Next one is to get some more privacy by adding fencing and trees. One hundred percent. Huge fan. Um, we just had we just had a buyer. Uh, justified because the house was perfect for them and they did not want to back up to other houses. And now they back up to about uh, 15 of them, you know, and they can see them all. And this was their justification is that, you know what, we got the house, we had to, we, we had to get a house and it's everything that we wanted. We didn't want the backyard, but we can add trees to kind of block them off. And, you know, and then they, when you, they, it's very interesting what people start doing says, well, they're real nice houses and they're real clean. It looks like a, a great neighborhood versus, hey, I have to look in, and have a barbecue with someone else, you know, uh, next door. And th so they, how they can put privacy up to be able to kind of give them what they they feel, what they felt privacy was, is that they just weren't on the deck hanging out with somebody. And, you know, rejoin, hey, throw a beer from deck to deck. And they just kind of put up a little private screening or um, some natural, like with, um, vines and stuff like that to be able to block it off. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that, you know, um, if you ever came to my house, um, when we, uh, were landscaping, um, I had a whole semi pull up and it was full of trees and I, I, God, I don't even remember how much I spent on trees, but it was pretty substantial. And what I did was I literally sat in every room of my house. I'd look out the window and I'd say, okay, there's my neighbor's family room right there. And then I literally put a stake there. Now my my wife laughed at me because she goes, why are you putting a tree right there? Why are you not putting a tree here? Or why, you know, so we planted all these trees. I did berms with birch and uh, the evergreens. I love that look, you know, that. And then I bought the dresser, the big gray trap um, boulders. And it gives that real cool up north vibe to it. Um, I probably overinvested in the landscaping, but that's okay. I enjoy it. So, um, right. Um, but I strategically placed all of these trees where you, you would guess that we're out in the, in the woods, um, you know, cause you can't see my neighbor's houses and, or strategically they can't see and see us. So, so I think, 
Um, maybe they can. I don't know. But, you know, the uh, the idea there was is I was being intentional with where I planted my trees. Now, this goes back to the old analogy of do you buy a wooded lot or do you buy a, a bear lot? And, you know, I'm telling you, the bear lots, as long as you're patient, you're going to live there a while. Uh, a, a bear lot is nothing wrong with that because then you can, you know, usually you pay less. You don't have to have any tree removal. You can strategically place your trees where you want them to grow intentionally. You can put the species that you want there. You can put, I mean, there's so many advantages, I think, to having a blank, you know, slate um, versus, you know, the wooded lots are great. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're great to look at. But those monster trees create monster leaves. And uh, anyway, and, by the time and, my trees get that big, I'll be done. And monster fall downs. And then you have to clean them up. I mean, I mean, when they're getting old and storms hit and stuff like that, I mean, when you have a, a million of them, um, I mean, believe me, I dealt with that all the time on uh, my last house. And it's just kind of uh, what, na what nature does, but you kind of got to pick them up and do it. And I could, but then again, I could have two, two, three trees a year fall and still look like I had none fall. Right. You know, because there's so many. Yeah. I remember picking up those uh, tree branches. Our next one, probably the biggest thing, location and justifying the area you get into. Well, I think that's the biggest thing for justifying the other stuff is that you're in an area that you want. But the, the opposite is, is true as well. And it's kind of, uh, you know, talking to people that uh, are, are selling a home, um, maximizing their return because they're in a really good, and Andy's mentioned this a bunch of times, school district, which uh, has, has raised the values of these areas uh, tremendously and people want to get into them. But now it's you got to go buy something. And to be able to already be in that school district and maybe just move a little outside of it could get you that same house for 50, 75,000 less. And so, or, or moving up in the market and maybe that upper market isn't as, as strong. So you're gonna get that, uh, say you're selling 600 and you, you're getting a $900,000 house that maybe in your area is 1.2, but maybe just a little more drive. So you gotta, uh, that's a big justification and people are doing it all the time. We've been, we've switched uh, spots. The West side, I would say, uh, I think the West side is as hot as any area that, um, that I deal with. I don't deal a lot in the North and Andy, uh, I, obviously you do in, in what's hot up there, but it, we both deal on the West end, but I think that's like the hottest area. So then sometimes it's like, you know what, you might want to go over to this area. Would that, would that work for you? And then they start, they, they justify it. Hey, I could get something for 100000 less, and I'm not competing against 15 people and spending 70000 more for that house. Well, I tell you, so a couple quick weird um, add-ons to that. Um, my older crowd, the retirement, you know, empty nester crowd, they, they shop on areas that have lower taxes. No joke. Because they're paying cash for their house, and the only obligation they have monthly is their tax commitment, you know, or, or whatever. Um, I'm also seeing a lot of people that used to say, well, I work at 3M or I work at Medtronics on the North Metro and I, I want to live within 10 minutes. Well, now with the with this work from home, I'm at, having pe people ask me where are the highest internet speeds. And so we're, we're seeing people completely switching gears on their needs and saying, well, what's the, what, how many gigs is this or how many gigs is that? And I'm like, boy, that would be a fantastic stat to put out there um, for the MLS to offer. Because, you know, right now it's kind of one of those mysteries where you're like, yeah, I'm sure it's good. Well, I don't, I don't say that anymore because if somebody needs, you know, uh, you know uh, Ethernet speeds or they need, you know, the fiber optics or whatever they need, and then all of a sudden you put them into a house and they want to move in a second, um, it doesn't do anybody any good. So anyway, there, there's got to be somebody smarter than us that can help us. Maybe there's a website that's available that we could uh, send people to and they could check that. You're kind of cool. For the last uh, about a month, they've been uh, installing these nice little tubes down our street. Fiber optics is coming to the Rooney neighborhood, and I'm very excited. Oh, really? Uh -huh. <laughs> I love that music. Choosing like good clients and for the um, clients, choosing good agents.
All right, choosing uh, the right clients. I think this uh, goes hand in hand uh, with buyers, sellers, and agents is that you you need to uh, work with someone that, um, I don't I don't, I mean, you should, obviously you gotta like them, but I think you have to have a, a mutual respect for them. I mean, if a client doesn't have respect for what you do and how you do it, and it's just kind of like you're, you're a taxi driver, it's that to me is something you should uh, move on from. And because uh, it's not, it's, it's not what you're good at, and then you're not going to represent that client very well. And uh, as hard as that might be, it's it's the right thing uh, to do because not everyone's a fit for everyone. I had an example the other day that uh, I, had, I got a call on a listing of mine, and all they did was kind of rip on it, you know? And I'm just like, you know, obviously I'm defending my listing and I, and I believe in it. And why would anyone do that? Why would they pay this? And that, well, there's, you know, there's over eight offers that are on it right now. Uh, so someone certainly did. But then the next questions were, is how, what else do you have? And, you know, basically saying, you know, I kind of want to work with you. And it's just like, you know what? Um, yeah, I don't really have anything coming, you know, because it's just like it, 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 went, it, it wouldn't work. In, in the long run, it wouldn't work. And it's just, a waste of their time and it's a waste of my time so i think uh choosing your clients is, uh, is very important if you don't feel good about it and uh it typically won't end well and that's the thing that agents uh, and, and i think clients have to know is that you deal with this person a long time i mean you sign up with andy i mean you're stuck with that guy for probably you know a good three months and then the way he markets and stuff you're stuck with him for about 30 years so i mean you better kind of like him Tell death do we part, Rooney. Exactly. That's isn't that that marriage thing? I thought that you you just do that with your clients. God, I when you're awarded. Green screen goofy here. Yeah, you're right. And you know the the challenge that we always face with with what is enough and what's not enough with uh, when it comes to the uh, the mar the marketing and the follow up. But on the other part, you know the number. I I think there's a crazy stat. Like eighty percent of people say they would use their same realtor again, and only twenty one percent do. And it's because they don't know how to find them. Um, the agents, you know, they're, 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 what do they call it? Private and private agents or, or, uh, you know, they're hidden and they secret, don't exist. And so, secret agents. Yeah. Secret agents. There you go. And, uh, you know, so I just, I try to, you know, put myself where, where people want me. Um, and people will tell me, Hey, you know, I've had people call me and say, listen, you know, over the years, you're my guy. If I ever need anything, I'll call you. Don't keep sending me emails. Don't keep sending me whatever's. I'm like, okay, cool. Then I'm also not going to invite you to my customer parties where I give away free gifts and feed you or put you into a movie. I go, you get, you get both. You don't get one or the other. Hey, speaking of that, hold on one second. When mom and dad are buying a house, it's always a little awkward for children. And this is a fun way to have fun with the process. <laughs> That's my friends why I'm in this business. That was my movie event a couple of years ago. Those are Andy's favorite clients right there. Those kids. Yeah, yeah they see, uh... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Nick. I got a question. So for a client that's having a tough time with an agent, what's the best way to say, hey, I want to go a different direction? Be honest. Just yes. say it. Say it. That, that I would say is, is the best advice you can give is that you don't feel that they are, are no longer, uh, there's no longer that connection, um, that they're not, you know, giving you their, their best um, anymore and that you're at the point of where it's, it's a, uh, you know, it just, it's not a good fit. Usually you go to the broker and it, it's almost like you, you can plead that there's abandonment, um, that there's all these other things on your, on your, on his, his or her fiduciary responsibilities to you, um, that they're not, you know, it, it just comes down to where if you don't want to be with that agent or you don't feel like they're putting the effort in, cause I'll be honest with you, just like Chris talked about, there's, there's times where clients feel fatigued on you too where they won't call you back. And then there's times where the agents are burnt out. They've written seven offers and the client's not responding as well as they want them to anymore, or they're still writing crazy offers and the agents lose interest in the client. And so in that case, um, some people just move on and don't cancel their, their exclusive right to represent, but they should because um, legally it's a contract and legally you're obligated to pay whatever the amount is on that contract to that agent. Um, yeah. And it's more than just, hey, say, hey, I don't like you anymore. There's typically contracts in place. 
and that uh, you have you have to deal with. Um, and it's 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 one of those things that I think if you do it uh, respectfully, I think everyone uh, works together. Now there's some people that won't, and uh, you know, shame on you. You should have probably talked about that uh, prior to uh, signing that contract as well. Yeah, exactly. Term of the day. We didn't get to this last episode. Due diligence. Well, that just plays off of just what I said. Due, your due diligence is, is doing the background, and that includes uh, on an agent. You don't. You got to know who you're dealing with and what they've done, and uh, ask that agent for some names and numbers uh, of people they can talk to. Uh, there's a weird thing called Zillow out there that has uh, a lot of reviews and an internet that you can kind of find a lot about uh, individuals and and see if that's someone that you do want to work with. And I think, uh, you know, in the housing industry, it's just like a, a buyer doing due diligence on, on the house that they're uh, trying to buy. And during that inspection phase, they might want to do a lot more due diligence and Rather than just doing a physical home inspection, they might want to check with the city and what it is, walk around that neighborhood, um, visit the schools that their their kids are probably going to go to, see what parks are in the area. I mean, that's that's doing your due diligence so you know what you're getting into. Ditto. Beautiful. We're going to go into some dissection of homes. You guys are very good at this. I think a lot of people like seeing it. The first one is in Minnetonka on the water. Give me a second to share this bad boy while Andy fixes his green screen. <laughs> I can't figure this thing out today. Sorry, guys. It, it only lets me play with it when I'm live. Um, Sweet. Wow. Okay, so first of all, I see that's on Big Island. So that, that house is on an island. You know, so you have to get there uh, by other transportation. But once you're out there, it's absolutely fantastic. It's where the it's where the action is. You know, for for seven hundred thousand uh, dollars, um, it's a wonderful thing. But what I what I, I look at here, and it might be a little more, is uh, is getting down to the lake, and whether or not uh, I mean that's not that's not so bad at all. Uh, but there's other ones that are cliffs and you have about five sections of those stairs uh, that do that. And that's sometimes a problem for people. But on the other hand, Andy, that's a huge thing for people. They love the, the, the expansive views that they just want to watch the nature and be away from all the action. And they don't go down and, and sit on the beach. You know, I'm curious and others to see how many feet of frontage that is. You want to buy it? Sure. Okay. Uh, I can show it to you. The more information. Yeah. Yeah. So the a house like that, I mean, that that's like uh, Cross Lake prices. You know, Brainerd. You know, Go Lake. That that's that's actually, from what I can tell here, looks very fair priced. I mean, almost like a deal. Unless it's a two season cabin or something, you know. You know what I think that could be? I think that could be a really cool thing for me, you, and a couple other people to buy together. And then you just kind of share it when you, when you want it and uh, almost or, or families buy it and be able to hang out there. And if you're in the city like that, I mean, it's an easy thing in which to be able to get to. I, I'd, I'd love that to be a cabin up, up north. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Beautiful. It's got the theme for us and everything. Out on Big Island, there is uh, a lot of fractional ownership uh, situations that go on in a lot of those places where they've gotten them down to like, I mean, there's 20 people that are part of it, you know, and they put in, you know, $40,000 each and they've got a cabin that they can use at certain times. Yeah, it'd be a That's big, cool. big party on that big island. That place is crazy. I don't know if I'd, I'd do it anymore when they were saying that. What when they get went down there and they were looking Nicole for I and find all the, the yeah. poopy and the gross. People were getting a little too crazy. Hold on. I'll be the only guy that has a lake lot out there and has a pool. They have floating bathrooms now. Champlin, Andy, that's your area. That's a fair price. Looks like a newer house. It must have been fair. It's pending already. But 3000 yeah. so four-bedroom, four-bath for under 400 grand, huh? Yeah. Yep. 
If I, I don't see the ad, pull down so I can see the street address. It looks like it's on East River Road. West, West River Road there. Oh, yeah, West River. There you go. Thank you. Um, the uh, Yeah, so that, that's a busy road. So um, that's probably why it didn't sell for more. Um, but that that's okay. That's a looks like a great house. Nice, nice. There you go. There's our four season porch. You can see there's a vent on there for a nice furnace or uh, or uh, excuse me, a fireplace, maybe a gas fireplace. Um, that's an example. That's a porch right there, and expanding that main floor and giving that house uh, a, a better curb appeal, an extension. Yeah. See that, see that roof though, how it's streaked like that? Um, there actually are companies out there now that can fix that. They put uh, zinc strips up there and uh, all of that will go away because that's all this organic material. It's nothing wrong with the roof, but it'll stop people in their tracks because they'll think it needs a new roof. Um, and they have people that'll go out there for four or 500 bucks and they'll spray that roof down and they, they uh, do a soft scrub on it and uh, money, money well spent. Highly recommend it. Yeah, the other thing is that that bush in the front. Yeah, I mean, you, got a, you, got a, you got a porch on there that you can't see, and there's some good curb appeal with that porch. Look at there's a railing behind it that you can't see. Yeah. That's got to be gone. They call that a Rooney bush. It's invasive of your space. Ooh. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna flip through some photos. You guys want to talk about something? Let me know. It's kind of a side. Is that the same house? Yeah. So that's from that's from the back. Wow. Okay. That that lot is a bigger lot, too, if I remember right. Hey, there's the there's the option to that two car garage in front. If I remember a, right, and not to be too nosy, but I know I know this house. This was a uh, this guy's a landscaper, so that was his business. That's why his grass is so matted too. I think he was back there with bigger equipment, turning trucks around and. And uh, if I remember correctly, right across the river road there too, there's a nice park um, that they just redid, the city did. Um, so, you know, boat access. So if you're a big boater, um, you want to get out on the river every night and fish and or pontoon or whatever, Lake Ac or the boat access is right there. It's nice a good place. looking house. The, the designers now would say don't uh, do all the same woodwork together because you can certainly get like a darker table and chairs and different uh, feel on oak. But that was a very popular thing that yeah. people would just match all their woodwork. Yeah. And they, they've got a good agent on that one too. Wally Kujeron is a, is a great guy. I've uh, done lots of deals with him. He's out of Monticello. Um, back in the foreclosure days, that guy was listing a hundred houses at a time. It was crazy. Cool. I like the rug. Yeah, adds a little color, you know. A lot of times when we have model homes, they'll do that too, just to you know preserve the flooring and then also add a little bit of color. And what's funny is that the agents always want to pull the rugs out because they want to see the flooring. But yeah, but the other I think the other piece of that is that they have a big enough room to have a rug. Sometimes you don't have a rug because you want to make that room look bigger, and so um, that's why you you tend to get rid of it. But that that helped it feel more like cozy in a home. Yeah. Next one's in Burnsville, a duplex. There. Both sides, that's a good deal. Yeah, what's it on? Oh, no, country land, okay. Yeah, that uh, that actually is, I mean, depending on, it looks like a three bedroom, two bath on each side. That is for 455. Um, that looks like a heck of a deal, unless there's uh, something around it or behind it that we don't know about. And it, obviously, it's, it went pending. You saw, see it's 11 days uh, on, on the market. So it was a hot one. And I guarantee you it didn't sell for 455 It well, sold for right. more than that. For more, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, that, you, you know what? At, like, single family homes like that, you know, and you look at the, uh, could you buy a house in this area for 250 with three bedrooms, you know, two baths? No. Um, it just doesn't exist anymore. So. That, that probably is closer to a 550, 600 value, I'd say. It certainly could be. And I think I think what's interesting now is um, there's so many different ways uh, of pricing. But I think people need to understand uh, when they look at a price is that it, it's kind of like it's a starting point to kind of get people orientated around that price. 
but it's certainly not what it was before. And say, you know what, if I hit 455, we'll get that. I mean, this person, this one might have been, you know, could have probably listed at 499, but they're creating the excitement. Maybe they're grabbing the people that are around 450 to be able to get the people that are around 600 to get excited. And once you, these people get these people excited, these people want it and they shoot it up. And these other ones are just helping them get it shot up. So there's some strategy in pricing. Demand, creating demand. Yeah, that's there's no way that's 450. Yeah, I mean, no, no, don't take any offense to the kitchen, but the kitchen is your Menard special box cabinets um, for Mikey countertops. And as a rental property, that's a lot of times what you'll see. You know, they'll buy that because if, if they do get worn out faster, it's nicer. When I say a box cabinet, most uh, people, you know, it, it, each individual unit is a box. It comes from a factory that way you screw to the wall versus custom is one big piece, the whole wall. Um, you know, so it's easy to replace, easy to update. Yeah, so, a lot of a lot of rentals have cabinets that are falling off the wall. So um, yeah. it totally is. I mean, that... This, this thing you get, what do you think about the radiant heat in the, the window AC unit? Yep. I mean, uh, a lot of people say that's as, as clean as heat as you can get, as long as it's hot water heat and it's not electric heat, because you got to watch out for utility bills as well. Yeah, you know, when, when you're renting. There's a little fireplace. Yeah, it looks like they have gas, if that's a gas fireplace. But this has been renovated. They just, I mean, must have got it for less, renovated it, and then turned around and sold it. And this is. This for some people, um, for you would think uh, it's a real turnkey rental. I think you get a lot more people involved in that. That becomes the person that maybe doesn't know a lot about rentals, but wants to get into it. So look at the, how nice this is. Or they wanna live on one side and rent out the other one. That's another huge thing that's happening right now. It covers your payment just about. And it's justifying again. Hey, I'm getting into an area, sure. I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna live on one side, I'm gonna rent out the other one, but eventually when the market switches, I'll just rent the other side and then buy a house. Nice. Duplexes are pretty good investments for the person getting into uh, rental properties, you think? They're hotter than a devil right now, for sure. Yeah, because what they're getting them for interest rates and what you can get on rent, because there's nothing to rent. It's very hard to get rentals right now. Yeah. Well, that and it's nice, too, for occupancy when you have um, when there's literally only one um, uh, there's only when there's one unit and it's vacant, it's 100 percent vacant. When there's two units and one side's vacant, it's only 50 percent vacant. So if you can run your numbers proportionally based on, you know, living off of only one side being full, that uh, can become very exciting for a lot of people. Now you found a triplex or you find a quad or something like that, where you can still get traditional financing under four units. And um, it, it, anytime you can spread it out, it makes your exposure, you know, less. Muted. I am? No, Chris was, he was trying to talk. I agree, I agree. I was done hearing him for the day. All right, our special to end this is to hear what is on Andy's mind. What's going on in that head, Andy? You know, there's so much jail wiggling around. I don't know what to do with myself. I No, I don't know. I, I actually, you know, it's kind of coming to that time of the year where I'm at peace with the marketplace. Um, I The last couple of weeks, I've watched a lot of crazy stuff going on with pricing. Um, I've had, uh, you know, the, the uh, that's calmed down a little bit. It's like it's a newscast. Rant. Calm in his brain. Jello. Uh, no, so you know, bottom line is, is that new construction prices were going nuts, and I found it to be absolutely crazy. But people were increasing their existing homes to new value prices, and because people were so desperate to get them, they're paying new construction prices on existing houses. To me, that's crazy. Um, that means, okay, guys, calm down a little bit, and and that's even with the new prices being crazy. Um, I'm also seeing this week um, where purchase agreements are coming in where. Builders are holding value or they're they're not locking in the pricing until they're at permit. So they're writing an offer. It's 750. Um, they go, okay, you got to take a risk with us. We're willing to do this if you are and draw the plans, do whatever. Once they're ready to go for permit, where the that's the big, you know, deposit or whatever um, for most builders, because it's, you know, 
14 to 16,000 usually in most cities for a permit. So they're going to want that non-refundable money. At that time, they firm up all their numbers and then the builder will commit. Up to that point, I'm seeing a lot of builders not committing on prices um, because the markets are so you know vulnerable right now. They're up and they're down and they're all over the place. Um, so and and people are okay with it now. They have to be. I mean, because yeah. the builders are. I mean, if you got to think about this, if you are building a house and the builder's not making any money, what do you think they're going to do after the fact? I mean, you can't you can't make any money and then hang out there for ten years and help you out. You know, they have they have to be able to make money. And, um, you know, the schedule, they're making money on another one. Oh, we'll just delay this one. So you, you got to understand that this is what the, what's happening in the market. If you're if you're choosing to build right now, it is what it is. And if you don't want to do it, then you don't do it. That's right. So glad you're I'm so glad you I finally feel the market is calming down a little bit because it was a little vulnerable. I, and, and I shouldn't say vulnerable. It's kind of violent. It was the, the, you know, this is the way it is, take it or leave it. And then these offers are very aggressive. I think a lot of people are making, honestly, and this is just me sounding like an old man. You're making mistakes, man. They're overpaying. They're buying houses that have future expenses due and they're existing houses. They're not brand new and they're paying brand new prices and they're crazy. And I'm like, display some, you know, patience, ladies and gentlemen. If you're going to spend that kind of money, stop, take a break. Let's let's make sure that we're actually building the house you want with the materials you want. And when it's new, yes, it's going to take a while. But here's the thing. Now you get the maximum enjoyment and value out of all the items installed in that house because they're brand new. You're not immediately buying a house for this price and then investing more money, which is what I'm seeing happen in the existing markets. I mean, good for the sellers, but come on, guys, wake up. Buyers. What's a good analogy for this? I think I can say one for dating. When your options aren't as many in a, in a certain country, so you put all your eggs in one basket, and then you go to a different country, and the the inventory is so high, it's amazing. Is that kind of what it's like? <laughs> like I said, uh, I wonder who's mother. Might get tied into your sexism. Um, no, I uh, I don't I don't follow your your uh, your ridiculous assessment of women and men. Um, no, actually, it's true. It it isn't everything that way supply and demand. And it's, it, it is like dating and it's, it is, um, people are going through those emotional roller coasters. Um, and, and, you know, with finding a place, think about this shelter, you're, you're finding a place to live. You're finding a place to experience life. Um, you know, their, their family experiences, your family grows. So housing is very important and very emotional to a lot of people. So yes, I do uh, affiliate that to your example of where, you know, do you just lock down and say, okay, this is, you know, I, I, Funny enough, I had a neighbor of mine years years ago. Um, hopefully, that's enough to cover up that story. And she said she was from a country where all the men went off to war, and a lot of them didn't come back. And so when she was there, she said they were fighting over the drunk in the bar because there was nobody else available. And if you wanted to have kids and have a family and a life of any kind, so these women were literally fighting. I'm talking about PhD, doctor level professionals going for just you know, the holding the, the, the bar stool up kind of, kind of fellas. And, and so they were very excited to internationally date and have, you know, other people come in and meet them. So in that situation, it's kind of like housing, like kind of analogy, dying it back. There, there I was is, see how you got out of that. We went to war. We went to war on housing. There's no good ones left. Um, no, we, we need to start building. And, and, and I think that that's where we can make up the difference. Get some new builds going. Uh, bring some fresh uh, uh, mates into the marketplace um, by new construction. And I think it also, when it's in, an, even if it is a move up market, it's okay because then everything goes with it, right? We need abundance, Andy. Abundance is the word. Yes. No right. scarcity mindset. Hey, let's do a rapid fire of these questions we got from our loyal, loyal listener, Mr. Greg. Uh oh. They don't. Do buyers and sellers ever see each other at the closing table? Or is everything now virtual? It's not virtual. Everyone signs by themselves. Um, so yeah, very rare do they they meet anymore unless they kind of agree to do something uh, at the walkthrough. Let me ask you, Chris, why you like that. Why do I like that? Because yeah. nothing, nothing good can happen at a closing. Right. Except bad things. I mean, except it, somebody opening up their mouth and saying something silly 
And then the, the buyer goes, what? I didn't know that. And all of a sudden you're jeopardizing your whole closing. I love going to closing where everything is signed. And then, oh, by the way, we're going to drop the keys off later. If you guys have any questions, our, our seller will stop by and say hi or whatever. That perfect, you know. And the other, really eat, I think the other good thing is. That, though, nowadays yeah. too. We had a virtual uh, showing of a house where I had a seller and the seller wanted to know who are they, where are they from, why are they moving? And my, my, my buyers are like, none of your business, you know? Yeah, move on. Make it more of a transaction. There's a Tesla charging station being put in here. Yeah, it's going to be right down the street from my new lot. I picked and lot eight. Greg also says, I think this is directed towards you, Chris, to check out Starlink Internet, not the Google Fiber. Oh, that's I'm writing that down as I speak. Thank you, Greg. Starlink.com. Beautiful. Well, another amazing episode. Make sure if you missed it to listen on any platforms we stream on Spotify, iTunes, Anchor has all of them. Watch the videos during the week. We clip up things. Please leave reviews if you can. And goodbye. Well, and topics. Other oh, topics. Questions, send topics, send questions. All yours. Thanks, guys. Ciao, ciao. Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.